The flyover state sports show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language and adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Is this on? By the usual cohort of Caleb the Bean Jubal and Gavin Alexander. And we are joined by a very, very special guest today. He is the current host of NFL Red Zone and one of my father's personal friends, which is why he's here, Mr. Scott Hansen. Everyone give him a round of applause. Scott, thank you so much for joining. Fellas, good to be with you. Good to be with you. Gavin, Bean, Sam, good to see you guys. Yes, he called me Beans. <laughs> I, I don't even know your regular first name, Beans. We go way back. I mean, back to you have hair. Yeah. Beans, your name isn't even on your thing, so he's got no hands. You're Beans. You're stuck. So. Well, Scott, we want to thank you again for coming on today. I know we, you know, pre-show thanked you a million times. But it truly is an honor to have someone who is such a legend in the NFL space to be on our show today. You know, you started out NFL Red Zone how about how long ago? We started in 2009, which makes this season 15 for us doing every touchdown from every game. Decade and a half. Hard to believe. Yeah, that is hard to believe. You know, I think one of the things we decided and we talked about also, you know, between the three of us is, you know, everyone knows about Red Zone, but I kind of want to get a sense of how did you get to Red Zone, right? Because there's a lot of time, you know, before 2009, and I'm sure, you know, you get a billion Red Zone questions, but not, you know, how did you get there? Well, let's see. I mean, uh, the usual path, um, worked hard in school and Tried to work my way up and then got some compromising photographs of network executives and just leveraged those. And, and here I am. <laughs> oh, I kid, I kid. I kid. Bob Costas one time. I asked Bob Costas, you know, how he got to where he was. And he, he joked that way. And I thought that was a hilarious line back when I was in college. No, uh, the truth is I, I knew that I wanted to try and be a sportscaster from the time that I knew I couldn't be an NFL football player. I was like, maybe they'll pay me money to talk about football because I had such a passion for it. And I went to Syracuse University in central New York, which has a great long uh, uh, history tradition of turning out great sportscasters and went there, played football there, graduated with honors, got my first TV job in a small market, and then started working my way up. Uh, when when I met the one and only Doug Long, it was uh, early 2000s when I was in Philadelphia, which is a great, great training ground for someone who wanted to go on to be a national sportscaster. The local market of Philadelphia is absolutely one of, if not the greatest sports town in America. And uh, then I, after a while... The NFL came calling and said uh, that they wanted me to do a couple of like smaller jobs for them, not hosting Red Zone. Red Zone 
wasn't around when I started working for the NFL. Um, but then when I heard in the summer of 2009, when I heard that they were starting a channel that was going to show every touchdown from every game with, you know, no commercials and everything, I said, I want that show. I want that show. I could crush it on that show. And we did an audition. I I won the job and here we are 15 years later. It's been a it's been a great ride and a and a great blessing. I tell you what, it that Philly network too, like listening to the radio out there is always just intense. I remember when Carson Wentz got the concussion against uh Seattle. Like everyone was talking about how much of a pansy he was out there. Like that, that's no joke. <laughs> yeah. Philadelphia, Philadelphia could be a, a harsh sports town, but the characteristic that I remember the most is just passion, just passion. <laughs> like when the teams are, are rolling, when it's going good, life is great in the entire city. And then when the teams aren't going good, it's, it's almost better for sportscasters because everybody loves to complain about everything, right? But it never was boring and it never was inconsequential. It -hmm. always mattered in Philadelphia, no matter what the win and loss record of any given team was. And that's a, that's a thrill when, when sports is as big of a part of your life as it has been in my life to have a, a market and an audience that way, was a great training ground for what I do now, which is serve the national and international NFL audience. I think a follow-up, too, to, uh, you know, you get in the red zone. Kind of looking from where it started in 2009, one of the things that I've noticed is I feel like red zone outside of sitting down and, like, watching your own team is probably the biggest way that most people actually consume the NFL. Like, I mean, obviously, if there's a primetime game, you watch the primetime game. But if your team's, like, not playing in the first window, you're watching Red Zone so you can see everything. And, like, with fantasy being as big as it is and, you know, sports gambling picking up, did you ever, like, anticipate in 2009 that Red Zone was going to get to be, like, this big? Because I kind of feel like it's huge believe it or not the answer is yes i did think it was going to become as big as it has and i think there's even more room for growth in the future and i I don't say that to sound like oh i'm a prognosticator or anything like that but when i knew the concept of what we were going to try and do and knowing sports fans and television audiences through, at that time when we started, I was probably 15, 20 years in the business. So I had a lot of good experience and learning about the tastes of sports audiences and television audiences in general. And when I talked to our producers, our original producers and said, hey, here's how I think we can produce this show to make it the definitive way to watch NFL football, and, and they said, yeah, we, could, we can do all of that te- technologically. I said, this thing's going to be a galactic hit. And, and I felt that way for a few reasons. One, I know the history of broadcasting. And I remember, I'm 52 years old, and I remember being a young boy and begging my dad to let me stay up at night 
to watch Monday night football halftime highlights with Howard Cosell, the legendary Hall of Fame broadcaster. And that was back in the late, late 70s, maybe early 80s. And that back then, this is before ESPN became what they became and way before individual networks like NFL Network. That was the definitive way that you could watch all the other teams that weren't in your home city, right? But that was a day after the games had happened. Maybe you read the score in the newspaper on Monday morning, but you didn't see a whole lot other than maybe halftime of the game that you were watching, but highlights were really limited back then. Well, fast forward to the late 80s and all through the 90s. The definitive way to watch the NFL outside of your home city was ESPN, NFL primetime, Chris Berman, Tom Jackson, and the NFL primetime crew. The absolute best way to watch it. But that was hours after the games had ended. NFL Red Zone has become the definitive way to watch the NFL outside of your home city or outside of your favorite team. And it's immediate. It's Mm -hmm. as it happens. This guy dancing in the end zone right now, celebrating that touchdown, is literally dancing in the end zone at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, you know, after scoring a touchdown. So I knew all the ingredients to what we wanted to do. And I felt like this is going to be galactically successful. And, And I can kind of prove that I felt it that way. Because the first time I went on air, the first episode, it was uh, September 10th, maybe, September 10th, 2009, the very first NFL Sunday of, of the 2009 regular season. The first time we came on camera, and this exists on my social media, YouTube, and whatever else, I said, hi, everyone. Welcome to NFL Red Zone. My name is Scott Hansen. You're watching the first moments of the channel that we hope will change the way you watch football forever. And it may have seemed like bombast or hyperbole when I said it, but I wanted to go on record Uh, to mix the sports metaphor. I wanted to be Babe Ruth standing at home plate going, there's where that ball is going. Yep. Call your shot. And there's not a day that goes by or a week that goes by in the NFL season where I don't hear from fans saying NFL Red Zone has changed the way that I watch football. And I'm, and I'm very thankful for that and very proud of all the work that we've done over the 15 years. So you guys were really the first show to take advantage of not only having the technology to do that, recognizing that you can do it. And then you have a bunch of uh, idiots like us that grew up with nothing but (laughs) cell phones in our hand 24 seven. And we sit here on our sports apps, on our fantasy apps, and you scroll up every single like three seconds to see what the scores change to. If you can't watch it live, like that's the type of, that's the type of craziness that I guess you're marketing to. And you're talking about, just like you said, you recognized it back in 2009 and it's literally done nothing but just got worse as technology gets better so it's going to continue to get worse what was the term you used right off the top of that there what did you refer to this yourselves huh oh uh stupid 20 year olds (laughs) (laughs) your words your words not mine but guys that's my base 
that's my base audience. That's who it's that's who I want rocking and rolling <laughs> for seven hours of commercial free football. There's so yeah, yeah. The the you know, uh sports fans' tastes have changed with technology, with uh a number of other things. I would also say this I believe that the certainly fantasy football gambling, and I would even add what I've kind of nicknamed the the PTIification of the American sports fan. You know, pardon the interruption, just one of the arguing shows that's out there, right? Mm -hmm. yes. Everybody thinks they know who the best quarterback in the NFL is. Everybody thinks they know who whose defense is the best in the NFL. Well, if you want to have an argument with your buddy or whatever about that, Fine. But if you're going to have an intelligent argument or at least an argument based on reality, you better have watched all of the different games. And where are you going to do that? There's a one there's one channel that you can watch every single game. And that's us. So, yeah, I think if your favorite team is whoever, the Patriots, the Packers, the Cowboys, I get it. You want to watch every snap of that game. And we don't ever want to infringe on that. But if the Patriots or the Packers or the Cowboys or whoever is your favorite team, I can almost guarantee who your second favorite team is. It's your fantasy football team. And you can't watch one game to see your fantasy football team. You can't do it. I don't care which one of you drafted the entire, let's say, Miami Dolphins offense this year. You can't just watch one game to see your entire fantasy team. But you can watch one channel to see your entire fantasy team. And then, of course, there's the gamblers. And almost everyone that you know that that gambles on sports doesn't just take a taste of one game. You know, they think they've got the seven leg parlay that's going to let <laughs> us take a Caribbean vacation this week, honey. Don't worry, it's going to hit. So you need to watch all of the games simultaneously, and because of the the immediate, you know, sports fans' appetite that I need it now, we're the ones who are doing it live. So all those ingredients add up to the the wild popularity of NFL Red Zone, in my opinion. I was just saying, Scott got us red-handed on the gambling and the fantasy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, gee, oh, gee. <laughs> did, I, did I guess it? What a wild guess that I took. How'd you know I had a seven-leg parlay this weekend? Yeah, because yeah, because you're not alone. Let me guess, it didn't hit either. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, it did not. Okay, wait, honest, honest opinion. I, I, I do not sports gamble. I, I don't in my own life, nor nor yeah. contractually am I allowed to. Yeah. But but I'm curious about it. What's the what's the what's the longest leg or most leg parlay each one of you has ever hit? I hit one. <sighs> and 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 what was the outlay and what was the payoff? I can't remember exactly. I would look it up if I wasn't using my phone right now. But I did like a one game parlay on the Eagles Vikings game, and it was like five, six, or seven legs. And I, I turned like a ten dollar free bet into like a hundred bucks or something. I can't remember, but like that's the only one I've ever hit. Like I missed everything else. That's about the same. Yeah, I, I do sleeper. I do the player props. I like their. I like the sleeper app and how they operate. Um, and so I do the. Player props, and I've done it for, I think the most I did was six, and I got like 25 bucks. 
I, I'm contractually obligated not to sports gamble as well. Um, no, I, I just choose not to sports gamble, I guess. But I, I am one of the uh, continuously scroll to check your fantasy football scores type people. So I'll still be watching Red Zone and still like aggressively scroll to see sure. the you know six points pop up into my score. Yeah. You brought up that, like, you know, you have everything right now in the moment, and there's so many games going on, especially like this last weekend. I felt like there's just so many games going on at one time at noon, th- uh, 3.30. Um, who how, who prioritizes the games while it's happening? It, I know there's probably a lot of moving beha- parts behind, people talking in your ear constantly. How is that prioritized? Yeah, so we have about 30 people on the NFL Red Zone staff. Now, give or take, because there's some people that do that work on Red Zone and they're working on another show inside of NFL Network headquarters. Uh, but let's just say 30 people, and they're the best crew in sports TV. I mean, they they make sacrifices every single Sunday, and I'm not only saying the stamina that's required to focus for seven straight hours and the mind scrambling decisions that are being made constantly. Um, so I try and give them as much credit as as possible. I realize I'm the face, I'm the voice. I, you know, I'm 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 the quarterback, if you will. I get all the all the credit, all the credit, and and a lot of the blame too. But my our our team is amazing. And what we do is we make decisions. There, there's two main locations. There's the studio in which I'm standing, and then there's the the control room. In which case, there's uh, there's about probably 15 to 20 of those people are in the control room that I mentioned. And one person is usually in my ear at a time because I don't want it too crazy because I hear yeah. I hear the games in my ear, which is mm-hmm. another source of stimulus. And I'm watching all the games on a monitor. And then in the early window, we've got a guy named McEnroe Francis, who I shout out at the end of every show. In the late window, we have a guy by the name of Brian Nettles, and then our coordinating producer, kind of over the top of both of our, our early and late window producers, is Alan Flowers. And all three of those guys are just so so good and dialed in at, at helping us jump around from make the decisions. Because think about this, guys. We are making value-based decisions where the values change every 40 seconds or less. And the reason I say 40 seconds is, of course, the 40-second play clock, right? Mm-hmm. If we're on the Dolphins game and Tua Tungabailoa is going under center and it's third and 10 and they're at midfield, okay? Hey, we're on the Dolphins game, third and 10. If they throw an incomplete pass, it's fourth down. They're going to bring out the punt team. So we'll go to Dallas because the Cowboys are at the 22-yard line about to get into the red zone. But remember – that at Lambeau Field, Green Bay's in the two-minute warning timeout and they're first and goal from the five-yard line. So if they come out of break, we got to go to Lambeau immediately. Okay? Now, what just happened? Well, Tua did this. Did he get the first down? We might stay with that drive. Did he not? Okay, let's go to Dallas. Oh, wait, did, did Green Bay come out of break simultaneously? Let's go there. Or let's go double box. Or let's go triple box if all things of those happen. So it's we're making constant value-based decisions where the values are constantly changing. You know, there's never uh, – I mean, sometimes there's a very clear example of, oh, you got to go to this game right now because it's the only one in the red zone and it's a one-score game and the team that's trailing has the football and no one else has passed the 50-yard line. Okay, duh, we'll go to that game. But in the witching hour, when, when seven, eight, nine games are coming down to the wire simultaneously – 
you have to make split second decisions. So the long answer, or the short answer to that long answer is this. It's a team effort. So like McEnroe Francis, the early window producer, will, will say something just like that to me in my ear. Him and I will be talking back and forth when my microphone is clipped and you can't, you got, you guys can't hear me at home. Mm -hmm. I'll say, all right, Mac. Yeah. So we're, and he'll go, yeah, we're on the Dolphins game, third and 10. If they don't get it, we'll jump to Dallas, but keep an eye on Lambeau Field. If they come out of commercial break, it's out of the two minute warning timeout. They're first and goal from the five. Let's get to Jordan Love. And so it's, it's a constant evolving thing. And, and there's a lot, a lot of communication behind the scenes that you guys ever obviously never hear. Occasionally, if you're dedicated red zone viewers, occasionally you will hear me talk to the control room. And, and when I know my microphone is hot to the world and I'll say, all right, uh, guys, guys, can we go back to Lambeau field? They're out of the two. Yeah. I'm out. They're ready to snap it. First and goal from the five. Let's see what Jordan love does. And, and, and the audience, I'm told the audience actually likes that when it happens. That is such a it cool, makes, like you get to feel see like, like behind the curtain in the wizard of Oz a little bit, yes. you know? Yeah. Yes. That is so cool. You get to see like what your thing, like you, your actual moments live. That's so cool. Yeah. And, and I'm fine with that. That's very unconventional, by the way, yes. in sports television, because everyone's used to watching, you know, the, the whatever, a single game where, you know, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman sound so slick and all their graphics and everything else like that. You know, like Joe Buck would almost never say, guys, guys, can we go to the pylon cam? I need to see the pylon cam to see if he was in bounds or out of bounds. <laughs> Because the producer of that individual game already knows that, right? But since everything that we're doing is so live and immediate and takes place not in one stadium, but in nine different stadiums at in nine different cities across the country, sometimes it, it calls for that, especially because of the immediacy of that. Um, so it's, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I, I, I you know. I, I try not to do that. I try not to do it over the top too much, but I've also am dedicated to the audience. I am dedicated to showing the best football immediately. And if it just so happens that it's, it's a live mic, you know, and I go, guys, guys, can we, can we go, can we go to green Bay? So be it. And I think everyone's fun with that. It's no different than someone sitting at home with the remote control and you're, you're hitting previous channel, previous channel, previous channel, and you've got a Ravens fan over here and you got a 49ers fan over here on the couch. And he's like, go back to this game. And he's like, go back to this game, you know, and you, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to get there. We've all been there as sports fans. It just so happens that, you know, I'm sitting in the captain's chair of the ultimate experience of what's the remote control going to do next. Do you uh, like have to, I guess as a sports fan, you probably already have an idea of like the major players around the league and pretty deep into each starting lineup. There's got to be times on red zone when, you know, you cut to the like previous Jaguars games and you see Mercedes Lewis has caught his third touchdown of the game. And you're like, kind of, you cut to the game and you're confused because this third string tight ends got three touchdowns. You're wondering what's happening. That's well, going through your head and you got all the stimulus around you. Let me just let me just uh, maybe make this current events here, and uh, and and particularly apropos to to the flyover podcast here, I think I see a number eleven Jones jersey there. Well, I just saw a number eleven Jones jersey go go into the end zone a couple of times in Philadelphia, where I was like, that yeah, that's who Jones in there. What I even said it was New Year's Eve it was new year's eve and i said is it 2023 is it 2024 yet or is it 2012 julio jones is scoring multiple touchdowns 
Like, yeah. And then this weekend, you know, this weekend, week 18, with so many teams already eliminated, oh, we're yeah. going to see some dudes that you, I guarantee you, you have never heard their names on NFL Red Zone. Oh, so it's, yeah, say, say a prayer for your boy here trying to identify <laughs> the third, third string wide receiver that just got called up from the practice squad who played at uh, Southeast West. So it's such a, such a city that I can't pronounce the name of. The UDF, this is UDFA weekend, man. Oh, it really? Yep, is. Yeah, there you go, for sure. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, man. I do, have, I do have one other fun question for you, Scott. You know, you, you keep talking, you know, seven hours, commercial free football. And that brings up the uh, viral moment that happened this year when the fire alarm was going off in the uh, studio. Can you take us behind the curtain on that? Uh, yes, to a degree, without without betraying any any uh, in-house, not that it's secret or whatever, but I'll, I will tell you this. So we're broadcasting the game. It was the it was the weekend, as you remember, of the uh, Bills Eagles massive contest at the time, and we're in the last, you know, it was probably gonna be the last forty five minutes to an hour of our show that day on red zone. And then boom, over my shoulder up above in the studio. And then I'm like, okay, it's fire alarm. I'm like, keep going, keep going. Cause you know, we've all been through a hundred fire alarms in our days or, or at least alarms. Cause this one was not earmarked as a, a fire alarm, which I'll get to in a second. We've all been through them, and 99 out of 100 are false alarms, right? And and they get turned off right after you start hearing them. Well, this one kept going. And not only that, it kept going, and there was a, a recording that came over, and it said, attention, attention, there is an emergency in the building. Please evacuate. Do not use elevators. Use the nearest staircase and evacuate. Now, that type of recording, and then it would go back to the strobe lights going off and stuff. That'll raise like a little alarm. It ain't like, okay, what do we got here, people? We got a fire? We had an earthquake? Is is God forbid, is there a maniac loose in the building or something? Like I like emergency and evacuate. But I'm still like, keep going. The people that are in charge of that, we've got a, a great security department at NFL Media Headquarters. They'll handle that. And if it's really serious, they will tell us. So it's going off. But then I'm like, I better say something because undoubtedly people hear this into my microphone. So I said, well, ladies and gentlemen, you could probably hear there's an alarm going off over my right shoulder. We don't know the nature of the emergency, but I just apologize for the noise if it's distracting. And by the way, on social media, after this whole thing went viral, which it, it went viral, mm -hmm. people were telling me I was driving with my daughter and we had you on our phone and we thought the cops were chasing us <laughs> <laughs> or or somebody saying, yeah, I was at work. I was working in my cubicle doing a little Sunday afternoon, whatever, catch up for the week ahead. And I thought the fire alarm was going off in our office building, people were saying. So it sounded pretty loud to some people. So I said, well, we'll figure it out. Well, about a minute or two later, they get in my ear. Uh, Alan Flowers gets in my ear and he says, uh, they're telling us we need to evacuate. And I go, 
okay. And I wasn't, my microphone wasn't on at this time to you guys. So I said, what is it? What do we got? Like, is the building on fire? Is it like, he's like, we don't know, but they're telling us we need to evacuate. And I'm like, okay. So my, my thoughts were a couple things. One, let's not panic. Um, but if they're telling us to evacuate, they better have a good reason for it. But then two, I got to inform the audience that guess what? Parks closed. I got to go. And how are we going to finish up the show? Right. Cause just cause we have a fire or whatever is going on. Doesn't mean that other people, you know, the, the people back home, they, they want to watch football. So it was clear at the time that Bill's Eagles was the best game. And there was only three in the late window. I'm pretty sure. So I'm like, Ladies and gentlemen, they're telling us we need to evacuate. So I'm going to have to take off my microphone and go outside. We have protocols at our workplace, just like all of you have. I apologize for this inconvenience. I'll come back and make an announcement if I can, if, if you know, if I can. But we're going to park it on this Bills-Eagles game and talk to you when I can talk to you. So we did that. I'm literally taking off my microphone and some of the people in the studio were already starting to file out, which by the way, the studio for us, we're on the ground floor. So it would have been easy for us to get outside, like onto the grass or whatever, if it was a fire in the building, I wasn't worried about that at all. Um, and then I'm walking, I'm getting ready to walk out and another producer comes in, someone who doesn't work on our show, but is one of the executive producer type guys. And he comes, he's like, you don't need to leave. You don't need to leave. He didn't say false alarm, but he's like, no one's in any danger here. (laughs) And I'm like, guys, I know we like to make money here and stuff, but let's not put any life or limb at risk. (laughs) So I come back on and and now my, my, my red zone producer saying, okay, you got the word. I'm like, yeah, they told us we don't need to leave, but, but we're not in danger. What are we going to do? He's like, you know what? We got to sign off the air. So that's when they came in studio. And for your audience who's watching this, if you haven't already, go to YouTube. I'm sure it's all over the place. I come back on and I'm just looking up to the alarm going off, going, you know, I've never never had this one go before. Um, and I think I quoted the, the the old Chinese proverb, may may you live to see interesting times or may you live in interesting times. And so I was like, this one's a doozy. Apparently it's not real or it's not dangerous. But we got to get off the air. And then the rest is history. All the memes popped up. Uh, you know, me as the as as uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street going, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. Show goes on. Uh, me being uh, the, the, the cartoon dog sipping tea saying this is fine as the as the, the world burns around him. Uh me being the guy in Titanic who pulls out the violin as the Titanic is sinking, you know, trying to stay calm and calm everyone down. There was there was good ones. There were some good ones. There's, there's others too that were fun. I'm sure you can probably search them. But all's well that ends well. And the ultimate thing was it was not a false alarm. Let me just say that there was a situation that required an alarm to go off but it was not something that it should have set the alarm off throughout the whole building. We have a massive, massive building at NFL media headquarters. And I mean, even if there was a fire in a trash can in some office on the fifth floor, it should not have set the fire alarm off in the studio, but live and learn. They I'm sure they recalibrated how they 
do their quadrants or something. And it was nothing that was, it wasn't a real alarm, but it was nothing that was dangerous for, for anyone basically. Uh, so that's, that's what I know. And, and, uh, I get that on the time capsule moment there. So it really, really was a missed opportunity to not have like, you know, another camera. So you could have cut to the, you know, the microwave, burning microwave being ran outside yeah, exactly like that. that's exactly. red zone you cut everything so exactly you know that's a great you're the first one to ever say that i've i've, ta- I've told the story a few times you're the first one to say that we should have we should have like our security cameras like on dvr that we could go to you know let's go to the fifth floor men's room where someone is uh you know brought a pipe in that they shouldn't have brought in and uh be in trouble uh no. so so yeah but look at it, it, it. It's it's all good. It, we got through the day. Um, I still don't think we missed a touchdown, and we we have our sign off rules, which allows or which forces us off the air when there's only one game left. But you know, you, we tell people flip over to Fox, flip over to CBS for the remainder of the uh, this game versus this game. But uh, yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen again. And I'm thankful that the the way I thought about it is this: it's either a real alarm. Or it's a false alarm. Panic does no good in either circumstance. So I tried to stay even keeled and at the same time respectful of the audience to say, here's what's going on in the studio. You know, we'll, we'll get through this. We'll figure it out. But if it's real, Scotty got to go, you know. <laughs> uh, so there, there, that, that's where it was. Hopefully that was the behind the scenes you were looking for. You know, you're probably going to be set as an example for like future broadcasters, you know, like, hey, this is what you do when there's a fire alarm going off. If some intern opens the wrong door somehow, like this is how you should respond. You know, you were really a calm quarterback in that situation. Thank you, bud. I appreciate you saying that. And I'll say this. um, One thing that flashed through my mind, I, I love our industry, sports broadcasting, but I also love broadcast television, including news programs. In fact, here, before I go, let me just show you a little something. This I'm I'm in my home in Los Angeles. I don't know if you can see it, but that's that's oh. my media wall over there. I've got wow five TVs up right now, and I have five TVs going at any at any given time. Uh, just when I'm working here, this I'm on the computer that I use to put together all my red zone notes, and I'm sitting here and I'm watching five big screens, and I've got news, sports. You know, I throw a Marvel movie on the side if there's if there's <laughs> nothing else. But I, I, stimulus does not bother me. But but I tell you that to say, I distinctly remember, and I'm sure this is on YouTube. In fact, I should I should search it and, and find it myself to see if my memory is is uh, the same way that it actually happened. But but I remember watching on New Year's Eve, 1999, which for you youngins. You won't remember it, but it was the turn of the millennium, and there was a concern called, maybe you studied it in your history class, called Y2K. The Mm -hmm. Y2K virus was going to get us, or the bug, I guess they called it, which was a thing where they they used to use, when you enter your birthday into a, a computer now, you have to do, you know, 2002. You can't put 02, right? Yeah, yeah. Back in the day... You used to just put in 83, not 1983. So they thought that the computers were going to freak out when the computers went from 99, 99, 99, 99 to 2000. They thought that the computers were going to think it was 1900 instead of 2000. 
and it was going to cause the bank accounts to crash and it was going to, you know, and there was this concern, like, we don't know how the world's computers, right? So anyway, I, I being a news junkie, stayed up and I watched all the broadcasts, like late at night, you know, whatever, when it was turning, when it was turning to New Year's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and whatnot, like, what are the computers freaking out, you know, in the different time zones. And I remember... Peter Jennings, who was the longtime famous ABC broadcaster, the head of ABC News. He was the, I, I was going to say he's the Scott Hansen of ABC News. Like he was much bigger than me and, and much more talented. But there was a fire, not a fire alarm, a fire with flames <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> and he's broadcasting. Now imagine I'm Peter Jennings and I'm talking to the world about, you know, Y2K and well, they're going to hit, you know, Stockholm, Sweden is going to New Year's Eve in 32 minutes, and we'll see what happens to the computers in Sweden. And then he goes, uh, and say, as we're talking to you, he's kind of a, he was like British Canadian, I want to say. It was his background, so he had a bit of an accent, but he was very smooth, so smooth on TV. And he, he goes, and by the way, um, we have a fire in the studio over here. Would someone mind grabbing a fire extinguisher and putting that out? And they cut to the camera of one of their hot TV lights, one of their bulbs burst and like caught the ceiling on fire in the studio. I mean, it wasn't enveloped in flames, but it was like it, there was a flamed fire. And he was like, would somebody, would somebody uh, mind doing us a favor and uh, grabbing that with an extinguisher there? And I remember watching that going, that is one smooth brother right there. <laughs> and so so hopefully, hopefully Uncle Scott was that way here. Gosh, 20, 23, 24 years later, uh, when I had my fire drill go off. Well, I think you handled it great personally. I saw the clips and everything. So I Thanks, think you, Sam. You did Thanks. a fantastic job. I appreciate it. I tell you what, I know that you're running low on time. So I think uh, one more round of applause and thank you is in order. <laughs> I want to thank you again for coming on. You are more than invited to come on whenever if you ever have anything <laughs> you know, big you want to share with the world, you know, that you want to broadcast to a small audience. Well, how about this? How about 10 years from now when when Michael Thomas is still in the league and he's catching <laughs> touchdowns for like – you know, the Seattle Seahawks or whatever team he ends up with. And we go, wait, is that that's Michael Thomas? Michael Thomas? Mike Thomas is still catching passes? <laughs> maybe we'll, maybe we'll, we'll have a laugh over that and we can play this clip back, too. There you go. We Mike Thomas on the Seahawks and for his, you know, high ankle sprain to finally heal. Oh, there you go. That's thinking on your feet. Hey, guys, great to be with you guys. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you so much, Scott. Best with the yep, podcast. Thank you Thank very you, much. Uh, and have a great rest of your day and a great rest of the new year, 2024. Happy new year to the Long family. Happy new year to your families. And tell my guy, Doug, I said hi. Will do. All right, Stop. see you guys. He's going to be... He's going to be really confused when Amir Smith-Marset catches two touchdowns this weekend for the Panthers. <laughs> Just lay up. And we want to thank Scott Hansen again for appearing on our podcast. We're very much looking forward to Michael Thomas catching a touchdown from God knows who on the Seahawks in 10 years. 
and getting our shout out. To everyone who listened to this, we hope you enjoyed it. We had so much fun making it for you. Again, shout out to Scott for coming on. He definitely didn't have to do this, but he sure did. And I hope that you enjoyed every second that we were able to provide. If you want to see any of our content that doesn't feature Scott Hansen, you can find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify by typing in the Flyover State Sports Show. That's Flyover State show number one podcast with flyover and sports in the name if you want to find us on twitter and or x you can find us at underscore underscore f3s that's underscore underscore the letter f the number three and the letter s all capitalized you can also find merch there maybe we'll, we forgot to tell scott that we were going to give him a free t-shirt but maybe he'll maybe we'll send it to him for next christmas maybe you'll listen to this anyways Thank you again for everyone for listening to today's episode. And thank you again profoundly to Mr. Scott Hansen of NFL Red Zone. This has been the Flyover State Sports Show. I've been your host, Sam Long. My friends have been my co-hosts, Beans and Gavin. Thanks for flying with us, and we'll see you next time. Peace. See you always stay in